What is going on, Juvie listeners? Welcome back to another Juvie Saturday in the new set. Yep. But enough of that. Before we dive into the guest, very, very excited to share today's episode with you guys. Hit that download button if you're listening on any of those audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. If you're new from social media onto YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hope you guys enjoy this long-form content. Who are we talking with today, Josh? Today, we are talking with someone who we've been asked, not directly, but for this type of career, we've been asked a lot of times. We are talking with finance, TikTok, and content creator, Austin Hanquist. Dude, how are you doing? I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited to share all this cool knowledge, information, experiences with all these people who are not just eager to learn, but are young enough to make actual, like just big actions on these on, on these topics to change their lives. Love Definitely. It feels yeah. empowering for the youth Definitely. knowing that there's somewhere we can put our money that can make us more money. Yeah. So for our youth audience, in this episode, we are going to dive into where you can put your money to make more money, how to make f- smart financial decisions as a teenager, and also fun questions like, how can I make my first million? What yeah. do I do with my first thousand dollars? So stick around for all that. But Austin, love to know a little bit more of your background. Did you start off content creator? How old are you? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, everyone. My name is Austin Hankwitz. I'm a 26-year-old content creator living in Nashville, Tennessee. I graduated from the University of Tennessee with a degree in finance and economics back in 2018. Uh, I took that to go do mergers and acquisitions for a healthcare company, which is like fancy talk for we would buy smaller healthcare companies and like merge them with our Okay. company right merger and acquisition mm-hmm. acquire buy so i did that we, we split you know that was like three years or so out of college doing that about two and a half billion dollars we had spent that wow. i helped them uh navigate and then in 2020 uh covid happened and uh i had this rare opportunity to have an extra maybe two or three hours a day uh to follow a passion follow a hobby you know start something new and like everyone else i went to tiktok and <laughs> yeah. i straight away was just like talking about something I was passionate about, which is personal finance and investing. So kind of like a weird backstory on that. I'm not sure how many of your listeners are familiar with the old guy. He's bald. He's got gray hair, uh, facial hair rather. And uh, his name's Dave Ramsey. Yes, of course. Dave Ramsey is the guy that pioneered the baby steps and and all these, you know, debt free things. And so Dave Ramsey actually came to my high school to uh, talk to us high school kids about personal finance and investing. And since then, dude, I've been hooked. It's all I've been just trying to learn as much as I possibly could. And it got to a point where I I wanted to kind of build a community around Mm -hmm. or I guess a community of people who cared about learning about these things. Uh, you know, sharing other ideas, giving feedback, critical, you know, uh, criticism, things of that nature. And, and that I've since been able to build that now through TikTok and other social media platforms. Amazing. So, yeah. And now almost, almost 600,000 followers. That is no small group of people no. interested in finance. I stumbled across Austin on my personal account before I, like, I was on the Juvie account. Because I was, you know, when crypto was going around, I'm like, who do I even listen to? Yeah. Like, and I saw your account and I was like, okay, this seems like level headed enough where I can at least learn something. And so I followed on my personal account and I watched for a while. And then I want to say two, three months later, you popped up on a TikTok comment like TikTok. It's a crazy platform. Like yeah. you all of a sudden start running into people that you see on your For You page and you, you offered to eventually come on the show. And so we kind of stayed in contact for a while. Now we're now here. Now we are here. Very excited. And you are, from my recollection... Our most qualified guest we, ever. No offense to our <laughs> other guests, but Austin in the finance world knows a little bit more than Yeah, all he's got degrees and everything, which is <laughs> a big achievement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell us what you do now, day to day. What are you educating people on, like exactly with your TikToks? Yeah, man, 100%. So 
Here's the deal. When I started sharing content at 24 years old on TikTok, I guess it wasn't any, I didn't really have a motive behind it. I really just want to say, hey, I'm a 24 year old who's trying to just make it. I'm just trying to, you know, make some money, be, you know, become wealthy in the future. And here's some steps I'm taking to achieve that. If that's, you know, uh, trying to build my credit score, because debt is a tool, not, not always a bad thing, mm. like uh, people might say. Uh, if that might be, you know, starting to invest toward retirement through a Roth IRA or some other, you know, mechanism like that. Um, you know, just sharing what I'm doing to build wealth as at the time a 24 year old. And that sort of kind of snowballed into a larger topic of just personal finance and investing for all age cohorts. Yeah. And so now if you go to my TikTok or my Instagram or even Twitter, maybe uh, you'll probably see me sharing content around investing more specifically. I really like to get into the weeds of things. Um, if it's a stock, if it's a maybe a, an industry or, or maybe something that an investor had, had recently done. I actually just made a video about Warren Buffett and something he just did. And we can get into that here in a little bit. But a lot of my content is specifically shared around investing and with a nice little sprinkle on top of personal finance if that's you know maybe how i'm balancing my portfolio or how i'm trying to mm. you know uh, perhaps save for a down payment on a house or how i'm trying to pay off my student loan debt things of that nature and so the day-to-day -day is really you know creating this content um I guess like that that's one side. The other side is like, you know, I have a whole creator business. So yep. I've got a, a paid for newsletter. I've got, uh, I do a bunch of live streams. I've got a couple of shows that I, that I appear on on a weekly basis. I do a lot of consulting for fintech companies. Like I've got a whole like creator business on one side, Very but cool. the more consumer facing side of that is uh, content. Very cool. Wow. And so would you consider content your full time? Oh yeah, yeah. So so I should have I should have sh shared that back in March of 2021, I quit my full time job at Emeticus wow. to do this. Wow. Right. So I, I no longer have a corporate job. I'm a, a full blown 100% entrepreneur. I've got a co founder uh, and several employees underneath of us, and uh, we're we're just trying to to make it work, man. Trying to yeah. have some fun while TikTok is fresh and and it's still a, a platform to build a community on and, and share a voice. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. I mean, I'm thinking like how many followers would I need to be at to feel comfortable to be like, Quit. screw the corporate, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm taking this. I feel like I would feel comfortable half a million. What were you at when you decided, screw this, I'm just going content creator mode? That's one of my favorite questions. And I think that's one of the biggest like misconceptions about being a content creator. It's not about how many followers you have. And I had this mindset going into this. Mm. Followers do not equal money in your bank account, yeah. right? Followers equal maybe an ad deal and the ad deal might get like more pricey because you might have a million or 2 million or 5 million followers. Like that's cool. But as a person who quit their job, I don't want to depend on the ad budgets of companies mm. because, you know, we just had this big like recession scare. A lot of marketing budgets were slimmed down. A lot of content creators are no, I know personally are saying, oh man, I'm not making as much money as I was making back last year. Like where's all the, you know, I, I need some more ad deals where I'm over here saying, well, I've got the paid for newsletter. Yep. I've got, you know, this Patreon account. <clears throat> okay. I've got these different consulting gigs that I do. So to me, whenever I quit my job, it was specifically saying I'm now making twice as much money being a content creator uh, okay. than I was doing my job. And I think I've got upward mobility to multiply that several times over. Definitely. Let me see if I can find someone that I can pair up with to do this with that will also quit their job. That's smart. That's bright. And that's my co-founder Christian. And again, we quit our jobs and we did it not because of how many followers we had, but specifically because of we knew how to make money as a content creator and build a business around the Austin Hankwitz brand. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's so cool. That's everybody's dream is to quit the corporate job 
and make more money doing something that they really, really and love. To do that in your mid twenties, yeah, an accomplishment. It's really impressive. Um, the thing that struck me about what you said earlier, you said that your goal when you first started social media was showing your own journey, um, and I think that's really commendable when you like you showing your journey on how to do it instead of preaching to people how to do it without having the experience of actually like showing what you're doing. So I think that was really cool that you started off by trying to teach people from your, um, I guess, even potentially your mistakes the along wins, the way. The yeah. wins and the losses. Exactly. I, and I feel like we, we've we've run into that. Like if we're just talking about the great things that are happening on our show, you know, there's great things happening in a lot of people's lives. But when you balance it and it feels more authentic, do you feel like that's played into you building a community? I, yes, 100%. And I think even like a little growth hack for those who are trying to build on TikTok be as transparent as possible because people really resonate with that. Yeah. Right. It, like, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm, whenever I'm on my TikTok and I'm like scrolling through my for you page and I see a overproduced, like high production quality captions are flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like they've got some cool effects going on and like, it just, it looks like it was created in a movie studio, but they're sharing it to TikTok. It doesn't feel as authentic. It doesn't yeah. feel as genuine versus the guy who picks up his phone and says, Hey guys, I just got off work and this crazy thing just happened. And he right. was like, why you should know about it. I listen to that stuff. Yeah. And so when I'm over here showing like, Hey guys, here's my credit score on credit karma. Here are the nine credit cards I have. Or like, Hey, here's exactly what I paid when I bought a house, uh, when I was 25, like what that down payment was, or like, you know, here's what my investment account looks like in real time. What do you think about it? Like, people resonate with yep. authenticity and transparency. And when you can kind of like, I guess this is more like content creator stuff, but to think about yourself, if you want to be a content creator, how I've really seen success is instead of transforming or trying to be like an authority and kind of like teach to people, come down to their level. So it's yeah. not an, an authority like up here, down here, I'm gonna teach down to you. I am your math, you know, like, like I'm yeah. a teacher, I, you, you, you obey me. Come down to their level so it's peer to peer. Yep. We're learning together. We're in this together. I, I, I'm going through it just like you are. And that's what I think I've seen a lot of success is, is I've been able to do that through transparency, through authenticity and say, hey guys, I'm 25, I'm 26, I'm 27, whatever my age is at the time, I make mistakes, but I also do a couple cool things. Yeah. Here are the mistakes, here are the cool things, follow along if you want, and yeah. uh, let's just have some fun and learn yeah. from each other. I, I super respect that because definitely, if you see someone on your view page who is trying to help you learn while learning at the same time, then you respect it more because you know that they're not an expert yet they have the same chance of succeeding as you do. Yeah, there's um, more of a connection between yeah. the creator and the consumer. Exactly. And that's why I think what what we love about your content is that you show the actual um, like rewards of what's happening. Because I feel like if you see a finance creator who's like, you can make this much money, but doesn't actually show that he made that much money. Um, or they're making you go buy their course. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's That's why I think you've hit the jackpot because you're showing people your accounts and stuff like that and what you're actually up to at the time. I think that's really great because I mean, we like to talk about money on this podcast. Oh, like yeah. if we have a guest who is making money or is doing something like that, we really like to know. And that's why I think I, I really appreciate your content. And as we've slowly getting our foot in the door when it comes to brands and stuff, we've kept it as as we can honoring whatever contracts we sign as transparent with our audience. Being like, Hey guys, this is an upcoming project we're working on. When you see it come out, We'd love for you guys to support us instead of yeah. being like, oh, here's the ad. Yeah. Like, let's hope it does well. As you know, since we're dropping weekly episodes, obviously consistency has been major for us because 
our audience knows every single Saturday we're getting a Juvie episode, whether it's just the boys or having a guest on. And so since we've been able to show that process, we've also been able to show, you know, the behind the scenes because I'm 16, Josh is 18. We are learning this every single episode as we go. Yeah. As polished as people think, you know, we may are, oh, they're, you know, they're 16, they have a podcast. It's crazy. It's like, we're literally talking about our day-to-day life. Anyone could sit behind a mic and do that. And we bring on guests that have value like you. But like you were saying before, you know, maybe the non-polished content does better. We just went from a three camera studio down to a one. It was partly because of some other factors, but one good side we've taken out of it is like, we're not now we're having to have a cameraman here switch cameras for us. So we can not pay someone to do that, spend more money producing and getting better actual content out. Yeah. And the one camera is going to do just fine. TikTok's never going to notice. Yeah. It was more of like an ego thing in our head. We're like, ah, oh, three cameras to one. Like, does that feel like a downshift? But it's also like TikTok, you know, our 90,000 followers, they're not actually going to notice anything. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes ego checking yourself. Definitely. <laughs> And to that point, it's well. One, I had no idea you guys were so young. I'm so hyped for you guys. You guys are so bright. Like, thank you. Let's stay friends in so yes. ten years. Like, we can like reflect on this. Moment. Absolutely. But I was gonna say to that point of like the going from the three cameras to the one camera. That's the exact mentality I had going to TikTok. Mm. Interestingly enough, like I realized that you don't need this high production quality like output. You just need to know like what you're saying has value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't definitely. matter how cool and amazing it's presented. It, it, like if you're talking just trash and you're putting out garbage, it doesn't matter how many cool effects and like emojis are <laughs> yep. going to click. It's, it's garbage. But if you're like, it's straight up, you can pick up your Snapchat, which is like the lowest quality camera ever. Right. And just say some dope shit. And if it's actually like good, oh wait, am I allowed to cuss on here? I don't know. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> My bad. Um, but if you say like something really cool, then people are going to resonate with that. And like, as you guys are like creating content and like this podcast, like what matters is what you say. Cause that's what your audience cares most about. They don't care about the camera angles. Or yeah. the, you know, if the camera's going up your nose or down your face, like it doesn't right. matter. Right. But if you guys are speaking facts and they resonate with that, they're going to be with you regardless. Absolutely. We love to hear. Cause we've yeah. heard mixed opinions from all sides, from <laughs> yeah. different people in this creator community. Oh, you got to say this, you got to say that. And what we found that works is saying what we feel like needs to be said from <laughs> yeah. our brain to mic. That's, that's all that yeah. really, that's the whole, process yeah um so for our our listener base is mostly mostly made up of the youth in our social media following um you know you hear on social media all the time oh you got to wait till you're 18 how can the youth currently get involved in investing it's a good question so i thought about this a little bit um because i knew i was going to get that right because like i'd imagine there's a lot of people who are under the age of 18 that are trying to think about making money and investing um three things immediately come to mind the first one's really easy it's learning about what not to do. I know that it sounds super cliche. I know it's like, it's not, you know, it's not the, how am I going to multiply my money by 10 and and become a millionaire? I'm doing nothing, but like literally learning what not to do is just as valuable as learning what to do. I cannot tell you how many people I met when I was in college that racked up credit card debt, racked up student loan debt, went out and bought that brand new car because they were able to somehow, you know, uh, convince a bank to lend them $40,000. And like that just put them behind so much. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is knowing what not to do at a young age is just as powerful as knowing what to do and acting upon it, right? So that's number one. And that includes a bunch of different things, I guess. Like, so, so first that includes not spending more than you have. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if you're making, let's say, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in high, uh, when I was in high school, I turned 16 and the first job I got was I was being a lifeguard. I thought it was the coolest job ever. <laughs> I was making like eight bucks an hour. I was working at the YMCA. It was fun. And so, um, 
not spending more than you have, right? That's saying like, hey, I'm going to put aside, let's say like uh, 10% of every one of my paychecks. So if I make a hundred bucks, I'm putting $10 in the bank account, right? I'm just a savings account right mm-hmm. there. I'm not, I'm not touching it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to spend the other 90%, $90 on hanging out with my friends. I mean, you're young, enjoy the money, right? But like, don't say, all right, I'm 18. I go get this credit card now. I'm going to go rack it up. Or just like keeping those principles of not spending more than you have a part of your entire life, right? Not, you know, understanding what not to do is really important. So the other thing is how do you get started? So I believe if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably savvy, you're probably smart, and you want to begin investing. And there's something called a custodial account where you might be able to convince your parents to open up a custodial account for you, which means that your parents who are obviously over the age of 18 and of age and very old and understand this stuff can open up a, a, a brokerage account for you through TD Ameritrade, through Vanguard, um, different like actual, I'm not talking Robinhood, I'm not talking public, I'm talking very traditional because they offer these uh, types of services. And by opening up a custodial account and by, it gives you the the sort of freedom and the opportunity to begin investing in the stock market with like your parents' guidance, your parents' permission. So very simply put, here's how to begin to approach that. In my opinion, Everyone is, well, it's a, it's a big misconception as like what stocks are, what, what, what's going on here. So think about it like this. Every time you spend money and every time you invest that money into a specific company, you're buying equity in the business. You are now a business owner. Okay. So a portion of those profits that come out of the sheet every single year, that income statement, that you know statement of cash flows every single year is you know, theoretically speaking, yours, a portion of it, you know, a small sliver of it because it's one share, but, but certainly it's a portion. And so a way to kind of conceptualize that, um, is there's a lot of companies that pay something called a dividend. And what a dividend is, it's a cash payment to you, the shareholder. So a good example of this is Apple, right? We all know what Apple is. We all have iPhones. We're uh, probably listening to this on your iPhone or maybe a MacBook, whatever, uh, or maybe Apple uh, podcast. So you can go out and buy a share of Apple stock for like 170 bucks, which is kind of expensive, not gonna lie. Um, but you know, you go pay $170 and a portion of the tens of billions of dollars in mm. profit that Apple makes every single year gets paid out to their investors in the form of cash payments called dividends. And since you own a share of Apple, right? You know, you have equity in this company yeah. and, and because of that you, you have a share of those profits, they pay those profits to you in a dividend, a cash dividend. I think it's like a dollar or something, but you know, that's kind of a way to conceptualize it, right? Yeah. I own this stock and because I own this stock, I get paid a dollar, that dollar comes from the company's profits. And so like high level, that's what investing in the stock market is, is buying into businesses that you think are going to continue to grow over a long period of time that are going to pay out those profits to you in the form of cash, or perhaps they even reinvest them back into their businesses to grow. But if you're really not into stock picking, which 99% of people should not be into stock picking, okay, there's something called an ETF. ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund. It is the most simplest, straightforward way of investing. So instead of going out and buying 500 of your favorite best stocks, to, you know, best ones out there, right? instead of going out and buying all those, what an ETF does is it puts all those stocks in a basket and it lets you buy this, the whole basket. Uh, okay. okay. So instead of like, oh, I'm going to get these four, it's like, no. You've got this basket right now that's got the 500 best companies on the stock market inside of it. And you now have exposure to that. So that's actually called the S&P 500. Okay, so I'm and familiar, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. These ETFs. 
That that's a name I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, that's the first name that I've heard so far. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, the S and P five hundred, right? It's the it, it stands for Standard and Poor's five hundred, which is the five hundred best stocks. Uh, by it, there's a couple characteristics that like categorize what a best stock is. It's like profits and like growing and like you know whatever. But it is the actual five hundred best companies in the United States on the stock market. And by just investing into those, not even like picking the little stocks, right? Not the single ones, but just investing into the S&P 500 through an ETF. And now you're going to be like, well, how do I even do that? What's the name? What do I do? Type in VOO or type in SPY on your little search bar when you're looking for this. And those are two different ETFs that do the exact same thing, just launched by different companies. Um, and so by, by investing uh, into this ETF, on average, you can make between call it eight and 12% a year on your money. Oh, okay. And so that, and that's, and that's historical, right? So we yeah. zoom out 90 years and we see the S and P 500 has increased 11.88% every single year on wow. average over the last 90 years. You know, some years it's 30% up, some years it's 20% down, right? I get that market volatility exists, but if you are under the age of 18 and you want to start investing and you have no clue what to do, you go ask your parents, Hey, can I get a custodial account? And Hey, I'm actually going to take a hundred dollars a month from my job working at Seven Eleven or Dairy Queen. And I'm gonna start dropping it into VOO or SPY. Good. Yeah. Know. Are you really in any stocks right now? I'm actually not, but my dad has come to me yesterday and he's like, I've got some opportunities for you. So I th- I might be soon. <laughs> I was I remember when I was little, so my uncle is involved in the stock market and used to do day trading and stuff. And I came to him because I like, you know, I would always see him on his computer with all like these graphs. And I'm like, this yeah. because guy's gotta be making some money. These graphs look important. Yeah. And I was like, hey, where should I put my money? And the number one piece of advice he gave me is put your money where you're actually interested in right now. And so, you know, me as an eight year old kid, I was like, Oh, like Disney, like yeah. something like tech that. Tech. Tech, tech. And so I remember I put money into Disney thinking the next morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like rich. rich. Like yeah. I'm going to, I just put $50 in Disney. I wake up the next morning and my money hasn't changed. And I remember I would do it like every single day for a few, for like a few days. And I called my uncle and I was like, Hey, like this is not working. Like my money is not going up. And he's like, Oh no, that's not how it works. And then, you know, then I got a debrief of yeah. your money doesn't change overnight. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was my first experience with investing in stocks. Yeah. And I feel like that most be, that must be a lot of people's first it's, experience it's as well. Kind of, it's kind of like when you like, you first like have like a garden and you plant the seed and then you expect the next morning, just have a full tree. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. If, if you were a teenager going to your parents asking, how would you pitch the custodial account? Because I can, I, I already know some kids are thinking, oh, my parents are not going to let me do that. How would you present it to them? I would present it from a place of education, right? Um, say, hey, mom, dad, I've done a lot of research into what the stock market is. I've done a lot of research into what investing is. I understand diversification by investing into 500 stocks through the S&P 500 versus just one. I understand um, how just important this can be for me to, you know, I understand compound interest, which means every single year my money grows on itself, right? Mom, dad, I understand these things, and I really think it's a smart idea to begin investing some of my paycheck. I'm not asking for your money, mom and dad, so if I make a mistake, you know, nothing to to lose. But um, I'd I'd love it if you guys would allow me to open up a custodial account so I can begin investing some of my paychecks um, from my job. Yeah. And maybe they say no, maybe they say yes. I mean, at the end of the day, you are underage. I get it. Like I, I personally wasn't able to start investing until I was 18. My parents just like really weirded about it, but <laughs> it doesn't, it didn't hold me back from learning a lot about it yeah. in the meantime. And I think you guys brought up a really good point about the first stock that you bought being Disney. 
I think a lot of people, especially when they're younger, right? If you're in high school and college, especially high school and college, you're always thinking like, what's the next big thing, right? Crypto, right? We're always like, how do I make 10X? How do I do 20X? Yeah. Like, what, what penny stock's going to take me to the moon? Like AMC, what's going on with GameStop, right? That's what we like hear because we hear the, the headlines, the titles. Our friends are texting us. We're yep. seeing stuff on Wall Street bets on how rich people might be getting. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. And remember this statement. Never invest in something you don't know. Mm. Never. Okay. Never invest in something you don't know. I, I like it's so important from my perspective as someone who's been doing this for nearly a decade now is you should be investing into the companies you're a consumer of. So that means uh, I have an Apple iPhone. I, I own Apple stock. I'm cool with that. I know what Apple does. I know how to make their money. That's great. Or maybe saying I wear Lululemon shorts. I know what Lululemon does. Same thing with Nike or maybe Adidas or Gap or um, I shop at uh, Target, right? I, I know how Target makes money. I swipe my MasterCard or my American Express or my Visa. Like investing into what you know is so important because it, it just, if you don't, it's just like saying, oh, I'm going to go buy this biotech company that my, my uncle Jim told me about because yeah. it's going to go to 100x. It's right. Like, okay, guys, let's, let's take a step back and think about this rationally. Yeah. I saw, you, cool. I yeah. saw a TikTok you posted about Celsius. I'm a big fan of Celsius. You were talking about how, you know, they're going up right now. I'm taking a two-week caffeine break right now, and I'm two days Two in. weeks? I'm That's trying, the longest okay, you've done. I'm trying seven days, and I've been craving Celsius. Yeah. I don't, now, I don't know if it's the flavor or the caffeine. What do you a think? Bit of both. You think both? It has to be a bit of both. Are, are you a Celsius consumer yourself? I've had a little bit of Celsius. I'm actually just a straight-up coffee guy, and I only got into coffee uh, once I became a content creator and I needed to, like, work a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I drink, like, four cups of coffee a day. Nice. <laughs> okay, so you're on my you're on my level of caffeine. That's oh, I don't know if anybody's on your level of caffeine. No, think about it. Four <laughs> cups of coffee, that's about, like, 80 grams. That's 80... 160. That that's a lot of caffeine he's putting in. Josh is needing to learn about coffee too. I yeah, I actually I literally came to record right now from an interview at a coffee shop and one of the questions they asked me is are you passionate about coffee and I said yes, absolutely. Um, when, I don't, when's I, the last <laughs> time you drank a cup of coffee? Uh after the interview. Okay. <laughs> so Josh I, I don't drink much coffee, but um maybe after this you and Austin can have a coffee conversation. Yeah, definitely. Back into Yeah. Um so I've got a question. So, I mean, I'm assuming because you preach um, financial advice that you're probably, I'm not going to ask your exact um, net worth, but I'm assuming that you're probably financially independent and financially stable. Um, for people that are young who probably aren't making as much money as they'd want to, what do you think would be their first step or maybe the easiest step on the road to becoming financially stable in the place that they're in? Really good question. So... Let's take a step back two years when I was right out of college. I had a job paying me, it was $62,500 uh, as a salary at the age of, um, or that 22 years old, 23 years old. And I was, you know, I, I was really navigating a lot. I had some student loan debt. I had a car payment. I had some credit card debt from my move to Nashville. Like I, I was that person trying to navigate and figure out, you know, how do I start and, and figure out just what this looks like going forward. The first thing I did was I created a budget. And I know it sounds so rudimentary and everyone's like, okay, mom, like I'm not gonna create a budget. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm telling you, it's so freaking smart. And, and it's so easy too. So here's how you think about it. Unfortunately, a lot of budgeting, like budgeting apps and like how we were taught like what a budget is, is like it's, it's restrictions on like what to spend and the categories and all this stuff. Like don't think about it like that. Here's what I think about it. It's a way for you 
to track what's essential and what's not essential in your life. So to me, I was saying, okay, what I, my mortgage payment is essential or my rent is essential. My food that I have to eat at for dinner every night is essential. My um, car insurance, that's essential. Gas in my car to get me to my job, that's essential. But me you know, spending $42 every weekend out of the bars with my friends, that's not essential. Yeah. Me uh, you know, having all these 19 different subscriptions right. uh, to Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify, that's not really essential if I'm trying to save money and pay off debt, right? So like, you're able to really categorize what's important to you and what's essential to your financial goals. And if those financial goals are maybe to pay off debt, if that financial goal is to invest more, or maybe that financial goal is to like, go spend more time with your girlfriend because you're in love and that's what makes you happy, then that's like, that's your goal. Mm. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are kind of, their, their parents specifically, my, my parents are like this, they, they didn't, I guess, talk to me about money from the sense of like enjoying it and, and, and spending money on things that made me happy. So I'm all about, you know, we hear all the time, uh, you know, don't go spend money on those $5 coffees or that avocado toast or like, don't go spend money on that car payment. Like, yeah, if you're spending an extra $80 a month at Starbucks because you love coffee and that just makes you so happy every single day and you're not buying a brand new pair of sneakers for every for $80 a month or like or maybe you, you cut $80 in subscriptions that's fine. Like do what makes you happier. Right. So I think like if I was starting over and I'm trying to figure it out, I'm creating the budget inside that budget. I'm seeing the essentials, essential spending, non-essential spending, and I'm making sure my essential spending aligns with what my values are and how I like to spend my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay. from what, from that, I'm the gist of that is as I'm understanding it, um, budget to the point where you're still happy where you don't cut every ounce of joy out of your life by not spending money, but also I, make sure that you're not spending too much money on stuff that isn't essential. Right. When the word budget comes up, you're like, oh, no fun. Like, no yeah, fun. Like, yeah. you, you start thinking like, this is it. So would you say in a sense that money could bring happiness? Money solves money problems. And if your money problems are maybe you don't have enough money to go, you know, spend time with your girlfriend. Maybe you don't have enough time to spend time with your boyfriend. Maybe you don't have enough money to go fly out and see your mom. Every like, money solves money problems. But after you solve your money problems, you still have you problems. And you yeah. problems is mental health, physical health. It's it, it, there's so many different things. Right. So I don't think that like money specifically buys happiness it just solves money problems mm. as someone who now has money and can solve those money problems i've realized like it doesn't really matter man it's just like it comes down to back to what i was saying before spending money on what makes you happy yeah okay. that's good advice i don't yeah. think i've ever heard it put like that definitely so before this interview we always reach out to our audience if the guest applies to and we ask what's one question they would ask you so this is coming from the juvie listeners yep. straight to you austin I, this one honestly i was like oh this is a good question if you could only live with one for the rest of your life would it be a debit card or a credit card Oh, a credit card. And it's so many different reasons why. And that's kind of back to the, I mentioned debt as a tool. Debt is not scary. Debt, debt is, a, is a wealth building tool if leveraged correctly, right? So let's take a step back. Um, I was renting a uh, bedroom and a house when I moved to Nashville for like 800 bucks a month. There were three of us and the rent altogether was like, I don't know, $2,500 a month. Okay. And my landlord came and said, hey, we're going to bump the rent to $3,000. And I was like, I can't afford that. That's a lot of money. Um, so what I was able to do, though, was I saved up all this money. I was able to get a down payment, a three, three and a half percent FHA loan on a house. 
And because I had a good credit score from my, you know, uh, responsible credit card spending mm. throughout the last year or so, I was able to go buy a house, take on all this debt, which is called a mortgage, right? 200. And I think I took on $250,000 in debt. But now my house has appreciated in value by so much that I've made more on my house than I have than, than I am in debt anymore. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is I would l definitely pick a credit card because having good credit and the ability to leverage debt for positive reasons, like buying a house, like starting a business, you know, things that can build wealth over time. That's a really good thing. So definitely a credit card. And yeah. Do you have a credit card yet? I don't have a credit card. What age would you recommend? A, oh, you can only 18. get one at 18. Okay. Yeah. Would you say straight off the bat 18 or wait a little bit? So yeah, that was a big mistake I made. I did not open a credit card until after I graduated from college. I, I didn't know how. I, no one ever told me how important it was. And so I would recommend to every 18-year-old to, even if you're under 18, I think, you, well, no, when you are 18, yeah, when you're 18, you can like be a authorized user on your parents' account. Right. I believe that's how it works. Yeah, that's like but what? Yeah, either apply yeah. for a credit card straight from your name. No, sorry. Or, you're, or you're, be an authorized user on your, on your parents' account. And all you got to do is, you know, put your Netflix subscription on there, put a tank of gas on there once a month, pay it off. Don't worry about it. But that builds the credit history. Yeah. And so you're not like me when you're graduating college and you can't qualify for a credit card because you have no credit history, right? That, that, yeah. that is really frustrating. Yeah. That's something yeah. we've heard. We've heard advice similar to that. And I think that's, that's funny because that's the difference between someone who um, is struggling and someone who is like stable. Everybody who's struggling will say, I would only live off a debit card because yeah. you can only spend the amount of money you have. But then if you're financially stable, say you have a credit card, which I think that really speaks volume to how volumes to how important a credit card is. If the people who are pushing the credit card is the people who have the money to use have one. Leverage yeah. The right way. Yeah. That is, that is very interesting. Um, yeah. Go so ahead. I, we've got some, we've got a bunch of questions from people. Um, I, I, I'm here to answer them all, man. I have no time limit. Let's, let's go. Great. Uh, this one I think is interesting. Uh, what would you do with a thousand dollars right now? Say somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, spend this a thousand dollars for me." What would what would you with do? With the right goal away? of making money. Yeah, yeah. So, so the goal is to make money. It's like so. Okay, so if I had a thousand dollars, let's just like blank slate. The first thing I'm doing, make sure I'm like I don't have any high interest debt, right? I'm not in credit card debt. That's twenty two percent APY. Like that's insane. I have no payday loans, nothing like that. So let's say I'm good. And I like what do I want to do with this thousand dollars? Um, assuming that I've already begun investing and I have a programmed, um, you know, auto invest on, on my wealth front or betterment or Vanguard account to like, you know, I'm investing all the time now. Uh, and I've got this thousand dollars. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what Warren Buffett did with his $5.4 billion. I just made this video on TikTok, and funny enough, um, you guys know Call of Duty, I, I yeah. hope, right? You guys know Activision Blizzard, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Microsoft announced in January that they're going to acquire Activision Blizzard, right? Purchase them for $95 a share. They're trading right now on the stock market for $79 a share, a $16 difference, okay. right? So if you can buy stock in Activision Blizzard for $79, sell it to Microsoft here in I don't know how many months for $95, you make a 20% profit. Well, Warren Buffett saw this and said, hey, I'm going to buy five and a half billion dollars <laughs> worth of Activision Blizzard stock, 68.4 million shares and make a $1.1 billion profit wow. on this wow. arbitrage trade. And so if I had a thousand dollars, I would buy a bunch of Activision Blizzard stock and hopefully my thousand in the next couple months will turn into 1200. 
and wow. you know this because you're educated in the field and you're you're watching it. Or, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know about that. Me that's, so Warren Buffett just did this. He just spent $5 billion on this. So, yeah, so that's actually a really good question, too. So I don't know if you guys knew this or maybe the listeners, and this is actually also how I got into investing, was seeing what other people did with their money. So Warren Buffett, as well as, you know, Michael Burry from The Big Short, I'm not sure if how many of you guys are familiar with, like, the housing crisis that happened in 2008, yeah. like, how this guy made all this money by, like, predicting it. But hedge funds, and Warren Buffett has a hedge fund, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is essentially a hedge fund. Hedge funds have to tell the public what they're investing mm. into every three months. Okay. And so Warren Buffett, every three months, has to disclose his portfolio to the public. And six months ago, so this was back in, I think it was March, he disclosed that he had bought billions of dollars worth of Activision Blizzard stock knowing that this, you know, that, that this $95 kind of trade was going to happen. And then just a couple weeks ago, he bought, it was announced that he bought even more stock in the company. Interesting. Right? So um, that's how I know this is, is by looking and seeing what the experts are doing, looking to see what the 91 year old people who've been in this market for way longer than I have yeah. are doing with their money. It's really important. Definitely. I've got a quick question because I honestly, this may make me look ridiculously go, dumb go for it tiktok already comes at us for everything honestly <laughs> i've just i've never been able to ask this question because i've never known an expert is the amount of shares of a stock limited to a number that's a good or question. is there infinite amounts of stock you can buy that's i have a, no clue i actually am here with like because he you said he bought one point something billion amounts five, five, oh 84 something yes yeah, yeah i actually is there is there an unlimited amount of stock okay really good question so there is a limited amount of stock and it is if you own every single share of stock in a company think of it as like a pizza okay think about it like a pizza you know there's like eight slices of a pizza and if you own all eight slices of that pizza you own the pizza but there's also a world where you can have one slice of pizza and maybe the value of that pizza that stock right can go up or down and so that's kind of what people do in the stock market. They go and buy that slice of pizza. They buy that slice of pizza. Maybe they buy three slices of pizza and you turn into Warren Buffett and you're own like 10% of the company now. So that's kind of how I, I like to describe it. But there's a limited number of stock. However, with that being said, companies have every right in the world to print new stock. Okay. It's it just, it, it, it's, it happened. AMC did it like 17 times over the last like 10 years. Like it, it's very bad and it's not something people like because as you guys know from inflation now, like when you print more money, it decreases you know, value. Everyone yeah. else's money is, is more devalued. And so when you print more stock, the value of my stock is getting called something called diluted. I'm being uh. like dilution. I'm being diluted. Um, kind of like when you dilute your chemicals in chemistry class with water, yeah. right? it makes it less potent, less effective. And so whenever you're diluting shareholders, the value of their stock is less effective, less valuable. Okay. So yes, there are a limited number of stocks. It's called shares outstanding. Now here's funny. Here's, here's an interesting uh, tidbit of information. If you go to Yahoo Finance and you type in a company and you go to statistics in that company's profile, you click to statistics, you'll see two different numbers for the amount of shares outstanding. You'll see shares outstanding and you'll see something called float. The difference between those are is shares outstanding is every share that exists in the company. Float is specifically the amount of shares on the stock market, which are okay. two different things to keep track of. So some of the stocks because are not public? Let's call it. Yes, because okay. they're owned by the company itself. Yeah. Good yeah, to know. 100%. 
So and I'm not sure if you guys are, are familiar, but there's actually a way to pay employees uh, with something called stock-based compensation. Okay, and yeah, so I've heard of that. That's when companies take stock that they own and they like give it to their give it to their employees as a way of okay. compensation. That's cool. crazy. So he bought, he put five point whatever billion into it, and there were still left over. So how yeah. how much is there total in this in this thing he bought into? So that's actually a good question too. Um, the way to know what a company is worth, the price tag of a company is called its market cap, market capitalization. And it's a really easy formula on how to find it. You take the total number of shares that exist and multiply it by the value of each share, right? So think about it. If you have a pizza and you have uh, 10 slices, round numbers, right? You have 10 slices of the pizza and each slice of pizza is worth $2 then $2 times all 10 slices is the whole pizza's worth 20 bucks. And so if you have shares outstanding of call it 100 million and you have each share trading at $5, that's $5 times 100 million, they're a $500 million company. Yeah. And so when Warren Buffett went out and bought $5.4 billion worth of stock, he now owns 8.9% or I think it's, yeah, 8.9, 8.4, something like that percent of the company wow. of, of Activision Blizzard. And so to find the market cap, um, all you have to do is, is take the total shares outstanding and multiply it by that 79 number. Very wow. interesting. Wow. So yeah, that's it's, crazy. it's a big company. Yeah, <laughs> that is billions and yeah. It still doesn't have much. Wow. So say if there was one company worth a billion dollars and one company worth $5 billion, um, but the company worth five billion had five times the amount of stocks outstanding um, or shares outstanding, and then the company with one billion had five times less. Would that now make each stock the same value because it's five times more? Yes, you're right on it, man. Okay. Yes, and that's why it's so Dude, important to not brain. look at stock price. That's right, baby. Don't look at the stock price. Look at the market cap. Okay. Right? We go and we see companies like Tesla who are at, and that's, that's stock splits. I'm not sure if you guys like understand or have heard of stock splits in the in the headlines. Tesla, uh, Elon Musk's company, just uh, had a stock split uh, three for one, which means if you have one slice of pizza, they're going to cut that one slice into three more slices. And so you have three slices of pizza. Mm. But if that, you know, I guess what I'm saying is... Um, to the point of, of the actual dollar amounts, like it's really important because the dollar amounts of one stock can be 400 and the other dollar amount can be 200. But to your point is, if it has less shares outstanding, more shares outstanding, the one at 200 might be more valuable right. than the one at 400. Uh, okay, that makes sense. So to know again where you're putting your money. Yeah. All right, another question sent in. How should people position themselves for the potential upcoming economic downturn? That was a big sentence. There. <laughs> that was a big... <laughs> a good question um assuming i'm talking to people under the age of 18 i would imagine that a lot of you are kind of have your finances uh supported by your parents um so luckily there's maybe not too much that you could specifically do to prepare yourself or i guess have to even worry about if we have some sort of recession um uh, given like you probably don't have a any say in your parents like employment or their career path and stuff but let's say that you are on your own like me and maybe you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you're trying to like figure it out and make sure like, you know, stuff doesn't hit the fan and, and that your life is just thrown around. So th first thing to, to think about here, assuming you have this budget, how much a month are you spending on essential expenses? So for me, my essential spending right now is just around $5,000 a month. So I have to spend $5,000 a month to operate my life, right? That's my mortgage, that's my utilities, that's my cell phone bill, that's my, like, like my food, like that's my car, like that's my number. And so 
to prepare for uncertainty, it's good to have a buffer. And yeah. so if you can have three to six months of your essential spending mm -hmm. expenses saved up in a savings account, then you have some flexibility to make choices when shit hits the fan. Yeah. And if that's maybe a new job or even give yeah. you time to go find a new job and apply or maybe start a side hustle. So, and, you know, to that point, 5,000 times three or six is, uh, you know, anywhere between 15 and, and $30,000. Sounds like a lot of money. I get it. Um, but maybe someone that that's listening, maybe their essential spending is only 2000 or 3000. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just have some flexibility, save up. And that's kind of the, the calculation you can approach. It's a great way to think about yeah, it. Definitely. All of our parent listeners are like, yes, let's <laughs> yeah, go. loving this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, we're going to wrap it up, um, now with the final question that we always ask, but I guess because you're not a teenager, um, as of right now, just the finance world, maybe. Yeah. And you have once been a teenager, so we'll still ask the question. Um, what do you think? I'll ask it in two ways. What do you think from your, um, opinion is the most misunderstood thing about teenagers now? And also what the most misunderstood thing about the finance world is. The most misunderstood thing about teenagers now, I would say is that I know so many teenagers. I could probably count on two hands, the amount of teenagers that I know that are curious and driven and want to build something for themselves that is incredibly unique and personalized. Yeah. And unfortunately, whenever I think about what my parents, my dad's, he's in the seventies or even like, you know, my girlfriend's parents or parents are like in their fifties and sixties, whenever, because they have a teenager, his name's Adam. He just turned 13, right? Shout he's out Adam. The teenage Let's go Adam. Just like, oh, he doesn't know anything. What is he doing? He's like, nah, dude, Adam gets it. Adam knows that he should be doing, you know, these side hustles. He wants to better mm -hmm. understand how to build a, a brand on YouTube and what these other people are building. By. What is a merch drop? How do I, how do I start yeah. that? What, what does that turn into? Right. I think that's a big misconception misconception uh, about teenagers. Like they know a lot about um, business that when I was that age, I, I didn't know right? I, just because I wasn't exposed to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say that's probably the first thing. And the misconception about fine arts. Um, I think that people, when you get to an, a part in your life where you create content because I, th I think I think unfortunately a lot of people think content creators um, and, and just creating artwork in general, if that's through podcasting or video or actual physical artwork or writing a book or a blog. I think a lot of people think that off the rip they do it as like a money grab or it's like, oh, he's trying to like, you know, profit and like take like whatever. I think that a lot of people do it because they enjoy it. Yeah. Right? I didn't start being a content creator because I wanted to like go quit my job and make money like that. I had no idea this was going to happen. Yeah, I did it because I was looking for other people on the Internet that I can talk about this stuff with and, and have like a, a true friendship with. Right. And so I think that might be a misconception um, in, in the fine arts uh, around that is, is people think like, oh, why, why, why are you trying to sell me this book? Or like, like, what's, why did you do that? Like, what's yeah. I was like, dude, maybe I just did it for me, right? Maybe yeah. I just did it for me. Yeah. That's a good response. Just to chip in, um, you, we actually got a better answer than we would have expected. I, I'm so sorry. You must have misunderstood my accent. Um, your answer for finance was fantastic, but I meant, <laughs> he said, you literally just oh, said it no. again. And yeah. No, 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 you're good. No, you just said it back, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's so hard. He said, finance. 
you heard fine art. So let's yeah. oh, dude, they said fine <laughs> arts, bro. Let's just Damn, go. I'm over here trying to like think about the fine arts. No, your your answer <laughs> I said, but I is said, commendable. I that said, was incredible on the spot back thinking. Part three. Now, Austin, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna talk slowly. Josh is not gonna ask this one. <laughs> what is the most misunderstood thing about finance? That's the one. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> we gotta keep that in. There. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, she had a great answer. So. Misunderstand about finance. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people think that finance is about get rich quick. And unfortunately, a lot of people also don't understand how important it is to be rowing. It doesn't matter how fast you can row a boat if the boat's rowing in the wrong direction. Mm. It doesn't matter how fast you can climb up a ladder if the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And I think with finance, a lot of people think like, oh, I can invest. I'm going to throw money. I'm going to throw. I'm doing this and doing that. I'm going to figure like, you know, what's also really smart is to figure out one thing that you want to focus on and do a little bit of it consistently every single day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to figure out the next meme stock. You don't have to figure out the next crypto. You don't have to figure out, you know, a way to make a bajillion dollars. Like that doesn't matter, dude. Like, you, you know, it does, it, it's tried and true. The stock market has been here for 90 years and it doubles every seven years. So if you're able to consistently just invest towards something that's tried and true, there's no reason to try and be fast and quick and try and like be agile and like, oh, I can outsmart these and I can do yeah. this. Like just focus on what's the, what's what's proven to work and, and make sure you're going in the right direction, even if it's a small improvement every single day. It's a great it's answer. It's a great answer. Well, this has been one for the books. Yeah. For all of our youth listeners we know we are all feeling more educated including me and josh right now so it's definitely great episodes if you guys want to follow what austin is doing day to day you can find him on tiktok at austin hankwitz and same with his instagram handle twitter are you on youtube shorts youtube at all yeah i, I am i just report uh, repost my my tiktoks but if you're like nice. into reading and you like to you like to nerd out on some of this stuff i have a newsletter uh, there's about out. seven thousand people who are subscribed wow. to it right now um, but just type in Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, and then Austin Hankwitz after that on Google, and I'm sure it'll pop right up. Or it's like in my link in bio and like all of my other yeah. uh, you know, channels as well. But yeah, if you're a big reader and you like to nerd out on some of this stuff, each reads maybe like seven to ten minutes, but it's like right. really getting into the weeds of this stuff. That, that, that's really like... Yeah. Our youth audience loves to hear seven to ten minutes. Yes. It's like that's our <laughs> yeah. attention span when yeah. it comes to reading. Josh is now into reading. He's a big Ooh, reader Yeah, a little now. bit. So maybe you'll have to subscribe <laughs> absolutely well we hope all of you juvenile listeners have enjoyed this episode like i said go check out what austin is doing day to day yeah to the end of this episode it's your first time here number one way to support us on all those listening platforms hit that download button helps us grow on the charts get yes, bigger please. and better guests if you guys are on youtube subscribe appreciate you guys tuning in that is a wrap that's a wrap